Also, I am a complete egghead today because I have like an oil treatment on my hair and I was like, wait, but I can't get my headphones oily. So I have like a cap underneath and then a hat over top of that. So that is why I just look cold. When, when you said egghead, I thought you meant like in a metaphorical sense. And then you <laughs> no, like my were head literally, literally talking like about yeah, your head shape. And I was yeah, like, oh, no, okay. My head is shaped like? like an egg. I feel like people say like, oh, I'm like I'm such an egghead, like... Like when you do something dumb or something. Oh. I, think I mean, I that. also am an egghead in that literal, no. not literal sense, figurative sense. I'm an egghead I mean, in all senses. a egghead would be if you had an egg for a head. That's like yeah. the most literal sense. Okay, can we talk about something which is that... Humpty Dumpty? Why, oh. Yes! Okay, why is nice. Humpty Dumpty <laughs> an egg? Like, you can listen to the song because he's fragile. But but Humpty Dumpty sat on a wall. Humpty Dumpty had a great fall. All the king's horses, all the king's men could have put him together again. Yeah. Nowhere in there does it say egg, but we all collectively mm. were just like, yeah, this guy's probably an egg. What's the most fragile thing you can think of? I mean, maybe like a sheet of glass? But like, I guess that's not like an animate object. It would be a sheet of glass. think about it. Most things, if they break, could probably be put back together again. Like you break bones, right. that can be fixed. Even, yeah. even a sheet of glass, you could super glue it or something like that. There's always right. a fix. But you can't get the yolk back in the shell. Exactly. <laughs> I hate everything about this. <laughs> it's the only thing on planet Earth that could not be put back together the again. It's the logical like solution. What is the Feature Length Podcast? Anyone? Uh, the Feature Length Podcast is a show where three idiots talk about film and entertainment. Good answer. Hey guys, what's up? <laughs> hey. Are you talking to us? Yeah. <laughs> I'm talking to the voices in my head. Like, I truly, I truly don't know. It felt like a fever dream. I swear to God. I it sounds so stupid hearing that. <laughs> if you're listening to this, this is a podcast. Welcome back to the Feature Length Podcast. Welcome back to the Feature Length Podcast. Welcome back to the Feature Length Podcast, a podcast where we talk about movies and TV for a feature length of time. 1987. This movie came out in 87. Yeah, I know, yep. right? I thought this, this was, was a 90s movie. No, no this is right before when Harry met Sally. Yeah. This came out before Batman 89? How does that make any sense? Okay. I forgot Billy Crystal was in this movie. Oh, dude, he said. Well, I mean, he doesn't look like himself, so fair that you didn't <laughs> didn't remember. <laughs> Wallace Shawn. <laughs> Greatest film character of all time. Rex himself. <laughs> Rex. <laughs> from Toy Story? <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's the first thing I think of when I think of him. I think th- this is the first thing I think of, but then I also remember he's Rex, and that makes me really happy, because he's fantastic as Rex. Uh, okay, 1987, eh? I still don't trust that. October, why what October? Do don't this is trust such a This is such a, like, summer 1990s movie. How did it come out in October of 87? Marco, you weren't even born. How do you know what a yeah. summer 1990s <laughs> movie vibes. feels the, like? I can tell the vibes. I can tell the vibes. Well, you're the vibes wrong. are all wrong. I hate this. Oh okay. Oh, my God. Is there, are we ready? Airing your grievances with Humpty Dumpty with <laughs> the fact that this came out in October 1987. It doesn't uh, make sense. <laughs> None of it makes sense. Well, I'm ready whenever you are, I okay. guess. Okay. Yeah. yeah, this is like, it's totally fine for this to be a free will. And- oh, it's going to be free will. And- yeah. 
Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Feature Length Podcast. Uh, I am joined today, as always, by Dan. Hello. And Carolina. Hello. Dan, if you couldn't tell, I'm just, I just keep trying to catch you off guard again, like I did the one time. I just keep introducing you faster now to see if I can ever catch you off guard. I'm here with my host, Dan. Next time you shouldn't even have a sentence. (laughs) Just, just start the episode, Dan. Dan. (laughs) Um, yeah. Oh, that was such a great, such a great live reaction on that episode. (laughs) I love that so much. Yeah, um, today we are discussing The Princess Bride, which apparently was released in October of 1987. None of that seems true to me. Uh, This is definitely a summer 1990s movie, but whatever, sure. October 87, whatever that means. Um, Yeah, this film was written by William Goldman, adapted from the novel, um, which he also wrote. Uh, directed by Rob Reiner, who was just on a tear at this point in his career, as we've previously talked about in the When Harry Met Sally episode. Right around this time, he had a string of movies, including This Is Spinal Tap, This, When Harry Met Sally, Misery, um, and I think there was something else, too, in that little run of movies he did. Anyway, it was a pretty wild run of movies. Sleepless in Seattle? Seattle? No, that was, uh, no, that was the writer. No, that's Nora Ephron. Yeah, but yeah. it wasn't, yeah. Uh, yeah, something else. Anyway, he's done a bunch of stuff. Yeah, and uh, the cast for this, also fantastic. Uh, Carrie Elways, Robin Wright, Mandy Patinkin, Billy Crystal, Wallace Shawn, Christopher Guest. Um, yeah, you know, all the all great, fantastic actors. And also Fred Savage, right, from The Wonder yeah. Years? He's the little boy in this. And the grandpa is someone famous. He is, remember. too. I forget his name, yeah, but uh, maybe it'll be here. Nope, <laughs> just Fred Savage. Okay, I'm not going to search any further than that on Google. Um, yeah, yeah, The Princess Bride, which is, for anyone who doesn't know, a kind of silly, whimsical, fairy tale esque adventure story um, that touches on themes of, like, true love and romance, but also has a lot of kind of action and adventure. And it's just a very kind of classic, swashbuckling adventure movie with lots of comedy throughout uh lots of comedy it does not take itself seriously whatsoever in fact and we can get into sort of like the themes of it but it's very much sort of a, a parody of that type of genre while also still like touching on the things that make that genre enjoyable in the first place which at the end of the day is kind of what a good parody of a genre should be um yeah so i have seen this movie the most out of all of us i watched this movie a billion billion times as a child and then didn't watch it for a little while and then as an adult came back to it which we'll talk to i'll talk about in a little bit um but yeah i'd like to get your guys's thoughts um carol i don't know how many times you've seen this but i know the first time you saw it i showed it to you a few years back yeah i actually hadn't seen it since okay so this is your second time yeah so that's why i needed to rewatch it and i did so yesterday um, and honestly, just when I had it queued up on Disney Plus and saw that it was only an hour and a half long, I was overjoyed. I was like, I, I haven't know. seen yeah. an hour and a half long movie in what feels like months. This is such yep. such a gift. Um, but yeah, it was fun to watch again. And it's like funny because I feel like this movie's parodied a lot that I every iconic line I feel like I've heard a million times even though I've only seen the movie once so even though it was only my second viewing ever I felt like I had watched it hundreds of times similar to you um yeah but like not in a bad way just in a way that like I didn't fully need to pay attention or make as many notes as I thought I would need to um because it's a pretty straightforward plot 
everything is laid out very nicely for you, which with my memory and brain capacity, I really appreciate. Um, and also this time, I think because when I first watched it with you, I hadn't yet seen uh, anything Monty Python-y and I hadn't seen Monty Python and the Holy Grail. But now that I have seen that movie a handful of times, I couldn't help thinking how similar this movie is yeah. to that one. Um, and I like also love that one. So that was that was fun. Um, but yeah, no, it was just a fun watch. Loved to see it again. I love uh, all the action, choreography, just the absolute like silliness of it. Um, and every single actor in it, I was like, I feel like I've seen them in a million things. And so the research for this took me down a million rabbit holes. Um, and it turns out I haven't even seen that many things with all the people. They were just probably in like one iconic thing and I yeah. had them uh, front of mind. But yeah, we can talk about all that later. My thought is two thumbs up. Dan, to you. <laughs> uh, yeah, so first of all, you made a really good point of like, all like there's so many lines in this that you feel like are just so um, entrenched in like pop culture that even I, I, for the record, I haven't seen this movie in like 15 years or so. Um, and I'm pretty sure this is like only the second time I've really seen it in full. And I was kind of the same way where I was like, oh, yeah, I, I know this scene already. Yeah. Um, it's so popular. Um, but yeah, it is very Monty Python-y, which I liked. Uh, it's really enjoyable. It is also very straightforward. I had like maybe one problem story-wise, which I won't talk about now. Okay. But uh, just because like comparing it to when I watched it as a kid 15 years ago, um, there was one thing that didn't really click with me, or it didn't occur to me then that occurred to me now, but whatever. Um, but yeah, and also to your point, Carol, about how you feel like every actor um like you've seen some like you've you feel like you've seen them everywhere but they really just have like one major mm -hmm. yeah. role that uh that, that you've seen them in when i first saw this movie and i saw um carrie elwes that's is that how you pronounce it i think yeah carrie elwes no that's how i've heard it um I when, when i saw him in this movie as a kid for the first time i was like oh it's the guy from liar liar you guys remember that? Jim oh my Carrey god! Movie? Yeah, 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 yeah. Was he in that Liar Liar? I haven't seen that like since I was a very young child, so I have no. Yeah, memory. he's uh, he he's the the guy that um, Jim Carrey's ex wife like mm. is marrying. Uh, wow, I don't even remember that. Yeah, I haven't seen that movie in so long either. That's the connection that I made. Damn, immediately. makes sense. Anyway, that's a tangent. Um, <laughs> yeah, this is a really it's a fun movie. It's also very funny, uh, even now. Um, watching it as an adult and overall it was just a really good time it's a, it's just an enjoyable watch yeah um yeah i watched this movie a bunch as a kid and it's one of those things where when you're watching it as a kid and well this will touch on something i want to talk about with the writer william goldman sort of a deep dive we can do on that but um when you're watching it as a kid it doesn't necessarily stand out as like silly like it's obviously funny but not self funny like it's yeah. more serious like the 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 stakes are more serious and you're that's laughing. exactly how i took it when i watched it as a kid yeah well. it, it's just like yeah this is just like zorro or any like swashbuckling type of yes, movie like that scene where they're rolling down the hill after she finds out <laughs> yes as a kid i didn't remember that being like a, like a hilarious thing it's just yeah. like a dramatic thing it's a dramatic moment yeah. yeah or even when they're going through the swamp 
and yeah. he's just like lifting her over the fire spurts or whatever like <laughs> i don't know stuff like that that doesn't really stand out to you as a kid right but yeah i really liked it for the the like seriousness that i enjoyed it just as a piece of like fiction as a child um and then i ended up like coming back to it as an adult during my sorkin phase because and i think we may have touched on this previously but like william goldman was and i say was because he recently passed away um was like sorkin's mentor essentially in screenwriting so when sorkin was writing a few good men um which was initially a play the play premiered on broadway and then after the play came out um rob reiner's production company essentially bought the rights to turn it into a movie um and sorkin wrote the script for it but rob reiner was sort of like ah this guy's never written like a movie script before so he brought goldman on to do sort of a little bit of ghostwriting, but also just to like mentor sorkin through the process um yeah so that's sort of what ended up happening with that um and they then became like collaborators and he helped them with a few other things and yada yada and they stayed friends throughout the year years not just the one year but um (laughs) anyway when i was doing a deep dive on sorkin he kind of mentioned uh goldman being an idol and there's a book you can get that has like five of goldman's screenplays and then he also has like essays that he wrote before about like what he was going through at the time he wrote the screenplay or about the production of the movie or whatever and one of them was on princess bride so i kind of re I reread sort of his introduction to it and kind of flipped through the screenplay and then ended up like watching the movie again. This is probably in university um, as an adult. And I was kind of like, oh yeah, this is a a genius (laughs) piece of writing and filmmaking in terms of like what it manages to pull off and execute. Um, Yeah, and I had like a whole new appreciation for it as an adult. Like you guys said, more in the vein of like a Monty Python. Although I think... I think still more serious than a Monty Python in yeah, terms of no, like yeah, int- intrinsically, <laughs> but um, but that that kind of level of very like dry humor and uh, yeah, I, I really love this movie. I mean, I think it has so much humor, but I also think, like I alluded to, it, it also just has so much like genuine fun and heart in it. Um, and I think the job that Goldman does in terms of like adapting it into a movie is just like sublime like it's it's so rare to find we talked about this with michael Crichton, like to find someone that's good at writing a novel and yeah. someone good at writing a screenplay but the their fact that novel like exactly they condense their own novel into a screenplay what a what a really impossible skill and so to pull it off and to pull it off this elegantly it was like incredible like i i, I absolutely love this movie i'm so glad we're talking about it so yeah I'm glad you had that background knowledge because i saw that this movie was based on a book and like the guy who wrote the screenplay wrote the book and i just assumed it was an off like a novel author who one off adapted this into a film and i didn't care to look any further i made an assumption and i was like this is my head canon and it will stay that way um but it makes sense that that was not the truth because this was a very good screenplay yeah so he's he's kind of like become a screenwriter not become but is like a screenwriting legend and he's uh, up and coming. Yeah, up and comer. You might have heard of him. No, but like he wrote another like sci-fi book called Marathon Man, and he also wrote the screenplay for that, and that became like a famous movie. He also wrote the screenplay for Misery, which is that mm. Kathy Bates movie based on the Stephen King book. Yeah. Also directed by Rob Reiner. Um. So like 
Yeah, th those are the ones. Oh, he also wrote for Butch Cassidy. He did the screenplay for Butch Cassidy, oh. which is fantastic. All the President's Men, also fantastic. Also was apparently an inspiration for the Batman, which, like, I mean, Wait, I've seen... Which one? All the, the President's Men. Was it... Oh, yeah, oh. The, the, the new Batman. Batman. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Matt, Matt, Reeves, Matt Reeves was like, yeah, like, I watched All the President's Men. That was, like, an inspiration. I was like, I don't see oh. that whatsoever in this movie, but okay, whatever, dude. Um, great movie, so no problem. Other than the fact that he was like, I watched a good movie and wanted to make a good movie. I mean, I guess in that sense, it could have been an inspiration, but, you know. Damn, this is some good filmmaking. <laughs> Maybe I should also do good filmmaking. Yeah. Yeah, basically. But yeah, so uh, we can maybe start there in terms of the screenplay and, and the framing device, which is, I think is really smart. Basically, in his essay, and I haven't read it in a little while now, I meant to leaf through it today and then I just didn't have time, so sue me, podcast <laughs> listeners, sorry. But like from what I remember, basically he wrote The Princess Bride like because he was sick of reading the same fairy tales to his children mm. and how like dumb they were and so he wanted to write like a good one but one that would also like pass as a fairy tale if that makes sense so even in novel form it was intentionally sort of like not a parody but a very like self-referential fairy tale story that would be enjoyable for him but like his children could also just get value out of as oh yeah it's like a fun adventure um but then when he goes to write the movie Again, I could be 100% wrong on this, but from what I remember, that's when he decides to add the framing device of the book existing and oh. the book being read to someone, which... I think on that's this... true. Okay. I'm glad we have two people that think something is true, so <laughs> <laughs> that that almost constitutes a fact. Almost. I would say <laughs> I'm like 95% <laughs> sure. I trust it. Yeah, I'm pretty sure if I, you know, my memory's a little shoddy these days, but I think that's about right. Um... Yeah, so the framing device is something I wanted to bring up because it is, it, it be, it's become such a thing in pop culture, even to the point where they released a PG-13 cut of Deadpool 2, Yes, yeah. where they had adult Fred Savage come back and Deadpool would just explain to him the stuff they had to cut out of the movie, which is maybe like my favorite That's joke smart. ever. Like that <laughs> is such a wonderful joke. Um, but yeah, I just, uh, I, I... You know, as a kid, the framing device, I was always kind of like, whatever, just get to the... It was Like, it very you much were like the child. <laughs> yes! I know what you're going to say. It was like Assassin's Creed, when I was like, just get to the old stuff. I don't care about the present-day context. Um, but as an adult, I love the framing stuff, the framing device now, for a couple of reasons. One, the fact that it has its own, like, narrative story that gets paid off with like the kid like <laughs> effectively hating his grandfather but then by the end of it being like oh no like i was into this and i appreciate this and of course the classic screenwriting you know one of the first things we set up is like as you wish meaning i love you and then that comes full circle at the end very nice very sweet screenwriting stuff um but the thing i think i appreciated most about it this time is that it like the ki the kid like we are all fred savage watching this movie like, I think you're meant to feel like Fred Savage in so much as the movie starts and you're kind of like, what is this? Like, this is so dumb and silly and I'm an adult. But, like, as the movie goes on, it's it's more like an exploration of, like, yeah, it's okay to, like, like campy things. Like, you don't have to, like, pretend that you don't get enjoyment out of camp and that everything has to be, like, self-serious or whatever to be good. And that's sort of the journey he goes on, and you see him like slowly start to get more entrenched in the story. And even by the end of it, with the like the dad or the grandfather, 
grandfather goes to skip over the kiss and he's like nah it's okay like you can, <laughs> i don't mind if you say the kissing part and it's like yeah like that very much is the arc you go on with this movie i think as as a watcher of it as an adult watcher so i really i really really like the framing device um i don't know what your guys's take on that is yeah i i, I was just gonna say like i didn't really think about i didn't think about it that much but you make very good points i think i mean i wouldn't say i disagree with yeah. anything that you just said I'd even go as far to say, yeah, it absolutely does. I love the mini arc in the present day as well. Yeah. Um, I did have Assassin's Creed flashbacks <laughs> as well. But, yeah, how uh, could you not? Yeah. But that's okay. Um, watching it at, at my age now, I like it a lot more. Yeah, it adds I, something to the story. I think I was with you where as, when I watched this as a kid, I was like kind of indifferent to it as well. Mm-hmm. But now it, it, it adds something more. For sure. Yeah, I was going to say, when I was thinking back on the movie, because I hadn't seen it in however many years it's been, um, I forgot about the framing device. So then when it started, and there was like a child playing a video game, obviously it immediately came back to me, but I was like, oh right, because when you think about it however many years removed, you just think of the story, because obviously that's the most important part and takes up the most of the runtime. but yeah, no, I think I liked it. I didn't dislike it. I was a bit confused for a second at the beginning. And for some reason, something about the way the old man looked, I was like, is this a young guy in makeup? I don't know like what makes me distrustful yeah. of like some old people. But I was just like, I can't tell if this is legitimately an old man. So that was a little bit distracting, but I got over it. Um, and then I liked it. And I read that there was some version of this film. I don't know if it was just an initial draft or if they filmed it i don't remember i don't have those details um but apparently there were scenes where the kid got like angry at the grandfather for like skipping over parts or like reading it too slowly like not not just like oh you can like read the kissing like that was nice but i think it would have been funny if they just had him get like angry at his grandfather for reading the story wrong yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm glad they kept it out, but it could have been a, a funny take. <laughs> I do like when we get, you get to that one part when it's like, the king has died and she's now the queen. And he's like, no, that would never happen. <laughs> and he's like, just hang on. And then he gets to it and he's like, yeah, you're smart. Shut up. <laughs> he's like, let me just keep reading the fucking story. It's good. It's really good. Um, I, okay. So I have something to say. I want to talk about my one problem narratively with sure. this think with this story um but do we want to or do we have to some like do you think most people listening to this would understand like they've probably everyone's seen this movie i mean you probably know like if not it's pretty it's pretty simple stuff there's a there's a princess farm boy and a (laughs) princess and and he falls in love but then has to go off to sea and is assumed to be dead and she is supposed to get married to the king uh but ends up getting prince the prince sorry the prince who's soon to be king she ends up getting captured by these three idiots um (laughs) which is like a whole side plot let's not get into the wait i have a question about that actually okay were they hired by the prince yes okay he's there is i caught that in the like i never like i always forget that but there is a specific line when he's like when i paid Vicini to kidnap her. Oh. I expected this to happen. Which also makes sense because he's a fucking idiot, but when he's tracking them, he seems like so smart and knows exactly where to go, but it's also like, oh, he it paid them. Yeah, yeah like this is supposed to happen this way. Yeah. Which is clever because I, I was watching that. it. And, yeah. 
And I was, I was like, why are they like making such an effort to show how smart this this guy is at tracking? Like, is he fucking Aragorn? I know. Like, like what is this? He's a like prince who's sheltered in a castle would never be able to do this field work. Exactly. Right? <laughs> and then when it's revealed that yeah, he paid them, I was like, oh, okay, that makes sense. That's, that yeah. makes sense. Because I missed the line. Yeah. But I I kind of put it together when I was like. Oh, he also has the goal of going to war with this other king. Gilder, yeah. <laughs> which is what the thieves stole her for in yeah. the beginning. Yeah. So, okay. Yeah. And yeah. And then, uh, guess what? Turns out her love is still alive, and he's coming back to be with her, and uh-oh, nobody's happy about that. <laughs> and, uh, and so there's I mean, except for her. And, well, she's happy, yeah, but he gets captured and, and almost killed, and then he's only mostly dead, so they take him to Billy Crystal, and Billy Crystal brings him back to life, and then there's a big fight, and true love wins, basically, <laughs> is the gist of the story. It's it's very it's a very difficult story to, like, quantify what happens without being like, I sound like an insane person, because it is silly. Like, it's a silly fairy But also, tale. big picture, like you said, it is simple. Like, narratively, yeah. if you take yeah. out, you know, all of, like, the side quests and the fact that, like, one of the idiots is, like, actually a giant and, like, yeah. there's, like, yeah, yeah. All the random poison details. test like, at some quests. point. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it very much is side questy. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, like, a, like a video he game. He has to yeah, defeat three like... bosses. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it does, it does have that. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Which I guess makes, guess makes sense because a lot of, like, fantasy video games would be based on, like, fantasy lore and, like fantasy lore in general and books tends to be very side questy like even the lord of the rings books are very side questy of like now what are these people doing and it's like so that that makes sense for what this is and, and what it's going for um yeah the, the, the only scene or the only shot i guess that stood out to me like whoa where did that come from was when he almost backhands the princess yeah so, uh, okay, maybe let's talk about that whole part of the story. And, like, we'll just... There's no real real way to structure this discussion, as I'm sure yeah. if you're listening a half hour in, you have discerned for yourself at this point. But, like, well, 15 minutes of that was talking about Humpty Dumpty. Right. And then 10 minutes of that was me trying to figure out if Speaking my house is haunted. Speaking of fairy tales, so it's technically on topic. Yeah, it is on brand. That's staying in. Oh, absolutely. It better. That conversation. I'm not cold. Carol. You're editing this one, yeah. so you're you better. Yeah, you're keeping it in. Um, <laughs> no, but I, I guess the something I've always kind of struggled with, even as an adult now watching this, is like I think him coming back and being dressed in this black costume, like it's supposed to be a, like we're supposed to know it's obviously him. Yeah. Oh yeah. I okay. I also want to talk about like I wish they had done more to cover his face so it was an actual <laughs> surprise, but then. Yeah. You have a point, like, maybe it was never supposed to be a surprise. Yeah, I kind of get the feeling, like, I think the audience is supposed to know it's him, and that's why it's so funny that everyone's confused. Doesn't know it's him, yeah. But, why is he such an asshole to her <laughs> until he, it's revealed that it's him? And then there's, like, such a sudden turnaround. Well, like, no, because I think it's because he's mad guy. at her for being engaged. Well, that's what it is, but... But it, also, like, he threatens very... to backhand wow. her, like Dan said. Like, it <laughs> yeah. is, like... He's been living on, cool. on the seas for too long. <laughs> yeah, fair enough, fair enough. He's completely lost it. But also it kind um, of borders on ridiculous because at one point she's like, yeah, I used to be in love with this guy and like is describing his eyes in detail while looking yeah. into the eyes of eyes. him yes. in this mask. And I'm like, come on. So I think it has to just be like yeah. a big wink. Yeah. But now, guys, now he has a mustache. <laughs> yeah, you can't Changes tell. Changes everything. That tiny little wispy mustache. mustache. 
It's the classic superhero thing of like, how yeah. could you not tell? This it's is the, the same Clark Kent glasses yeah, yeah. thing. Yeah, or even like something we didn't talk about in the Batman episode we did last week, but I'd like to bring up now is just the fact that obviously Batman's cowl in this movie is way more open, which I love. I like the look of it, but when, when like Gordon sees Bruce Wayne at the funeral and Bruce Wayne just does his like patented like emo turn and he's just like his, his like jawline is out i'm like yeah you would fucking know this is batman come on you think but he's the only one in the world with that jawline not with yeah 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 you know what he has a pretty amazing jawline i will line. say and also it's just the like, only one in the movie that looked like that true fair. true that was almost a purposeful decision which is weird yeah like, how could they not for sure no for well sure. it's tough because it um, looks if it's a good jawline it looks really good in the outfit but then it will make him more obvious. It's a giveaway, yeah. Yes, absolutely. Much like this movie where it is ridiculous. But I think, uh, yeah, I think it is a joke. Yeah. Like a, a... Okay, that makes a lot yeah. more sense yeah. to me. I uh, Yeah, I got to imagine. Because it definitely did always stand out to me. And I was like, oh, this has to be intentional. Like, there's no way. Well, okay. Also, as a kid, I remember not knowing it was him. So I think that's another oh thing where it's like, for the kids, maybe I was just stupid. But, <laughs> well, you're obviously not stupid, but, but maybe it's like, for the kids, this head. might actually fool them. But again, for... Yeah. <laughs> what a Humpty Dumpty. <laughs> but, but again, for the, like, for the adults, it's a bonus thing of like, you can laugh at how ridiculous it is that no one... Yeah. Yeah, that's probably true. Him. That's probably another one of those things that's in there for that, for that reason. Yeah. I would agree with that. Who do you guys think is cooler, though? Um, Wesley or Inigo? Oh, Inigo. Yeah. Inigo. Oh, my God. Yeah. He is so dope. He's my favorite character in this movie. Like, probably because he's Batman, but, like, that's okay. Like, he is... He's literally, like, if Batman and Zorro were combined, which kind of is just Batman or Zorro anyway, because they're the same character. But I love him. He's great. And I love his arc. I love his little yeah. journey that he goes on. It's fantastic. He's also my favorite character. And I was yeah. going to say it was really epic when he was in that final battle with that Count guy. But then I was mm-hmm. thinking, and I have to be fair, because Wesley also did have his own epic scenes, like climbing up the side of that mountain when the rope was cut, or even just up dope. the rope. Hilarious. Visually yeah. amazing. Um, <laughs> but yeah, he does some cool <laughs> stuff too. But I do think Inigo is cooler and funnier. And I like that he, like, takes a break to just, like, be in the forest drunk for a little bit. Yeah, he reverts back to his alcoholism. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Alcohol <laughs> themes in a kid's movie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so good. Wait, is this no, a kid's movie? Well, it's kind That's of... A good question. It is and it's not. Like, well, yeah. Was it I mean, marketed I think sort as of... a kid's movie? What's it rated? I think it's just, like, PG or something. Oh, yeah, I think it's... I mean, I watched it as a kid. Yeah. So I'm sure it was just I watched like, it at school. Yeah, I, was, I definitely oh, really? watched it at grade school too. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Um Yeah, I mean I think it is one of those movies where it is sort of like I don't know if it's for anyone. It's more like anyone could watch it and get something out of it, but I am curious to see like what a trailer for it would have looked like. <laughs> Cuz like, yeah, would you sell it for adults or do you sell it for kids and then have adults be pleasantly surprised like like a Pixar movie think, or something, you know? I, I that's what I was just going to say. Yeah. I think it falls in the same vein as like a toy story movie yeah like yeah. kids get a lot out of it but obviously like adults can very much still watch those movies and enjoy them for sure for sure and there is then built-in stuff that's just for adults too yeah where it's like oh jokes and stuff yeah like, like it'll go over the kid's head but that's fine and this movie does that to another level but yes. it's the same idea still <laughs> yes yeah i mean even just sort of like the construction of it is a joke in and of itself like yeah. to the point where it's like yeah yeah everything that happens is kind 
it's kind of just tongue-in-cheek the whole time but yeah. the whole thing really even like you said in in your intro like the movie existing at all is it like is a, a joke, joke. <laughs> yeah is yeah, like a that, joke. that a kid wouldn't get yeah exactly a hundred percent a hundred percent um speaking of toy story it's time to talk about oh yeah oh good segue oscar winning not actually oscar winning but if i had my way oscar winning <laughs> performance by wallace sean in this movie this is like a just like defining performance and just like like i talk a lot about dan and i we both talk a lot about like quotes that aren't quotes that like only like we know or say and like at, almost every every line he has in this movie is a quote between my sister and I that only we say and my family's constantly like what is that <laughs> like he is so dumb like so impossibly dumb and angry <laughs> all the time it's like my favorite it, character it, trope it, it's just like George Costanza like he's just an idiot <laughs> and he's angry like that is my favorite like type of humor in a character I'm and just, he's a short bald little man <laughs> yeah he's just the most unintimidating guy that's trying to be intimidating and has no idea what he's talking about it's, yeah. it's my favorite it's my absolute favorite I, I, I've also like because I hadn't watched this for 15 years I forgot or I, I guess never really realized that like I've heard the his his line of like inconceivable but i never i never realized that this is what it's from like yeah that it was from anything so the fact that he said that a bunch in this movie was funny yeah i love when anigo calls him on it he's like i don't think that means what you think it means because he just keeps saying yeah, it's like the only thing too. he says <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's really good and i love the scene where the poisoning scene oh i mean that that's so great i wrote down like i took notes obviously and like i'm pretty sure half my notes is just lines of dialogue from that scene that are <laughs> unbelievably funny like his speech of like trying to rationalize which yeah <laughs> yeah and just going back and forth and wesley's like you're just stalling you don't know what it is and i like how his conclusion to it is just to be like hey look over there and then he switches the cups like as yeah. if that would do anything and he's so proud of himself after like he's almost like trying to contain laughter he's like yeah <laughs> let's uh <laughs> let's drink now and i'm like dude like oh it's so good it's unbelievable but then I like the twist that he poisoned both cups. Which I, I remember there was a twist like that. I just couldn't remember exactly what it was. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Yeah. It sounds like obviously there was no chance of him dying because you can't really trust those odds. I wouldn't. Yeah. I, would, I, can't, I don't think he would put his life in, in that kind of peril. 50-50. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I think, um, I think it was our friend Miguel. We were watching something and there was like a similar plot line and he's like, isn't there like a movie where someone poisons both and has like a tolerance? And I was like, yeah, Princess Bride. Oh. And he was like, oh yeah. And the only reason I remember that is because I think what we were watching was like a very serious, like a James Bond. It was something like that, like a very serious action movie. Oh, I think we were watching Casino Royale and he gets, po he yes! gets poisoned. That's right, I when he gets poisoned in Casino, and Miguel was like, this is from something, right? And I was like, well, Princess Bride, and he was like, oh shit, yeah, I guess that is what it's from. The comedy movie. Which is just, like, a hilarious thing, that, like, this movie, again, once again, is just sort of, like, in pop culture known yeah. for this scene, this random scene, which, in and of itself, is a comedic scene, but cool, cool little, like, actually cool premise idea. That, yeah. Like, no, I, I just have immunity to this thing, so I was safe regardless. Yeah. Cool. But also, you want to talk about a scene of him defeating one of the guys, that sword fight with Inigo. Oh, my God. Like, yeah. the choreography. It's so much fun. Yeah. It is so much set, fun, like, and I also love how they, like, are not trying to hide that all of these stones are obviously 
made of whatever you make fake stone <laughs> like out of. Plaster. Like plaster. Yeah, like, yeah foam that makes it funny. <laughs> yeah. It's so fun. But it's so cool. Like, I like, I just, I like how they made that set specifically for, like, it's like, um, like a play set almost that you would have. Like, if you were a kid and yes. you would play with two toys, like, they built that set for specific choreographed moments. Exactly, where it's like you build up to this thing and you can do the swing off that. Yeah. And yada, yada. It is, it's Jumping off cool. rocks and, yeah. It really reminds me in its construction and even its lighting of, like, a set from, like, Star play. Trek from, like, the 60s. Oh. You know what I mean? Where they would just, like, they would go to a planet and there would just be, like, a set of this... It's like the planet, and it's just like this one little set where they're like... It's like a mound of rock. Yeah, and it's like, oh, look at this rock, bone. Like, what bones, what's the problem with it? And they have to, like, scan it and figure shit out. Like, it very much looks and feels like that, which, again, is probably part of the joke of, like, this being a low-budget, silly fantasy thing. I mean, um, low-budget. Yeah. It was still, like, $16 million in 87. Oh, no, 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 yeah. <laughs> it definitely not, like, actually low-budget. Yeah, yeah. It's, like, but, made like, to look like it. Yeah. yeah, like, an expensive expensive budget to look low-budget. Yes. And... To Which look is a little like bit it. counterintuitive, but yeah, you know. exactly, exactly. But I liked it, it. Reminded me a lot of just a stage play set. Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, a lot of the set, most of the sets did in this movie. Yeah, I guess you're right. They're all kind of like, yeah, yeah. But a lot of it was. I mean, a lot of it. I don't know percentage wise how much of it, but a lot of it was filmed on location in like England and. Mm-hmm. Either Ireland or Scotland. Is it bad that I always mix the two up? But anyway, probably Scotland. Yeah, they went like somewhere Monty with Python. castles, so that probably That's, which is yeah. more like in the fields of like hilly grass. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Scotland is all. I mean, I've been there, so I can say this, but it's all. I'm not being racist. It's all. Um, <laughs> It's all grass and castles. That's all that's in Scotland. That's so not how would that be racist? You're know, just talking with their I'm just fucking around. I love Scotland. Scotland's like my favorite trip ever. It's it's so dope. It's just I remember grass, you just sent me like a hundred pictures of like castles Dude, when you were there. Castles are sick. <laughs> I love castles. And yeah, also actually isn't the castle from Harry Potter in Scotland? Yes, and and uh, Monty Python. Some of their castles were filmed nice, in Scotland nice. as well. So pretty much anytime you need a castle, you just film in Scotland because there's so many of them that you can always like, you can always find one to film at. At least exteriors and stuff. Like interiors, you might build on a set. But yeah, yeah. You know, in hindsight, I think we could have paired this episode with Monty with Holy Grail. Yeah, we probably could have paired this with Holy Grail. Because they're very similar. But, like, Monty Python All right, guys, is let's like... cut now and watch <laughs> Yeah. Monty Python is, like, a whole tier above the self-awareness of this. Yeah. Movie. Oh, this sure, like, sure, sure, sure. This is, like, a light version of that. And then the next level would be, like, a Monty Python movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Oh, my God, that movie's so funny. <laughs> Holy shit. Have we ever watched it together? Not together, no, but I know we've talked about it because we've both yeah. obviously watched it. Yeah. Um, we should definitely do it on the podcast one day. We should do, like, a couple Monty Python movies. Yeah, I have Life of Brian over there. Oh, I've never seen I've that never one. I've only one, seen The Holy so Grail, so if we do anything... So far, else, that's all I've yeah, seen. Me too, be... that's the only oh, one. Oh, perfect, then we have to do it, just to give us a, <laughs> yeah, a reason to. to watch the rest. For sure, for sure. Um, should we talk about uh, Andre the Giant? Oh yeah, in this movie. Yeah, he's in this movie. He's in this movie. <laughs> I feel bad because by all accounts he was like a very nice person and stuff. I didn't but, know like... he was a wrestler. Yeah, he was a professional wrestler. I mean, it makes sense if you're that giant. His name is Andre the Giant. Yeah. <laughs> First name Andre, last name the Giant. <laughs> no, middle name the. Yeah, last name Giant. Yeah, I mean he. By all accounts, like everyone loved him and he was a very like nice, sweet person. But 
you know, it's probably like one of the weaker parts of this movie, just in terms of because like, he's a wrestler. Yeah. He's a wrestler. He's kind of like stiff line delivery, and it's also kind of like hard to hear what he's saying a lot of the time. But I well, think even that added to the self awareness. Yeah, it was funny. Sure, for sure. like for even sure, with like sure, him yeah. just rhyming all the time. I did like and that. Actually, honestly, one of my favorite parts is at the end when he just like is at the bottom of the window with the four white stallions. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, I just found them, and I thought it'd be useful if we ever found a lady. Hi, lady. Yeah. <laughs> so sweet. It, it's very fun. Yeah. Um, okay, I want to talk now about my one screenplay problem that Go I've for been it. alluding to. Go for it. I keep forgetting. Um, so, okay, my only problem is like in at the end of the second act, going into the third act, because we're talking about Andre the Giant and Inigo now. Mm-hmm. They kind of like they learn about everything that they didn't know prior like in the screenplay yeah do you guys know what i'm talking about yes like yes. they learned that the six-fingered man is there yeah. in the castle like the guy yes, that Inigo yes. is looking for they know where he is now they learn that um uh wesley is going to be killed mm-hmm. which they shouldn't really have any reason to know because the last time they saw him they mm. all fought wesley yeah. and then kind of separated yeah I, like am i missing something so so how they explain it, although I still think it doesn't make sense, is that Anigo is drunk, and Andre the Giant like sobers him up and then explains all this to him. Yeah, is how they frame it, which doesn't really make sense because how would he know what? Because what's he been up to? Except, because I think, okay, stick with me. It's not well explained, but it's the only thing that might make sense. Is when Anigo is drunk and outside the bar just like totally inebriated um the brute squad comes to take him and that's when andre the giant shows up yes so like are we meant to think that he is a part of the brute squad because then later when they go see billy crystal like one of my favorite lines he's like i'm on the brute squad and he's like you are the brute squad which is just a very fun like because he's so big get it like in the shadows but i am (laughs) (laughs) oh my god yeah it's just that but silly but um um so like i guess if he was on the brute squad technically it would be possible for him to have like overheard other people involved in the castle life talking about it but that's a big leap like there is like no indication whatsoever as to how he got that information other than if you want to like assume it was because he was a part of the brute squad but like that's true that is a huge leap i see what you mean like how else would (laughs) there's no explanation for it because also if he was on the brute squad the whole time, then he would have known that the six fingered guy worked, it like was a part of the kingdom. Yeah, and he would have told like Inigo probably should have known long before. Before, that. yeah, yeah. Unless he only joined it after the stuff that happened with Wesley and coming back, which gives <laughs> him a window of like two days to join the brute squad and get all this information. But that that is very hand wavy storytelling. I'm just kind of like we need them to know, so now they know. Maybe it's explained really better in the book. Maybe, maybe. That was like when you brought up the the fact that he adapted this from his own book. That was like okay, that makes sense. That like, like there was gonna be a mistake or two like that. Yeah. I mean, again, we congratulated uh, Michael Crichton and this guy for being able to adapt their own book into oh yeah, like an hour and a half, two hour screenplay. So yeah. totally, totally, that's like my one problem with the. Yeah, the I think it. I think it's a fair enough point. Yeah. Um, but I didn't really care because, again, this whole movie is a joke and it was just fun to watch <laughs> and I had a good time with it anyway. Well, it's one of those things, too, where it's like, 
because the scene works anyway you do just kind of yeah because it's funny because he's drunk and he's sobering him up and he's putting his head in the water and like all of this is done in vo because it's the grandfather reading it the grandfather is like well he was sobering him up he explained this to him yeah which again to carol's point maybe in the book there is more explanation there of andre the giant explaining how he got that context but because it's the grandfather reading in vo it's just sort of like we're gonna rush through this part yeah. so maybe that, it was like it was too boring for a kid to hear yeah it. yeah exactly it could be something like that um that would probably make and the sense. kid probably has a bedtime yeah. so you had to condense the story oh yeah we gotta yeah yeah for sure for sure good point <laughs> good um what do we how do we feel about prince humperdinck humperdinck that's his name right <laughs> yeah. prince humperdink. a great, great name. name yeah <laughs> fantastic name love the name he really gives me <laughs> he gives me Lord Farquaad vibes. Yeah, from Shrek. Oh, absolutely. Okay, I'm yeah. Pretty, I'm glad I, I wasn't the only one. I have to believe they based. Farquaad I think so. Off this guy. I think so. It's too similar for them not to have. He yeah. wants to marry the princess. He doesn't want to marry him. Yeah. He's this weird little guy in like a red. I'm pretty sure he's wearing the exact same thing as. Farquaad he is wearing somebody. red at one point. Yeah. Um. But I. Yeah. Like, I don't think he's that little. <laughs> No, no, no. I mean, he's obviously not he's like just like a skinny like. like yeah. I mean, he's not. He's not like. Uh, he's not hilariously short, but yes. he's just like. Yeah. You know what I mean. He's just like stupid. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's he's a figurative, figuratively little man. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> um, yeah, I absolutely got that vibe as okay. well. Yeah. <laughs> that was funny. But it had to have been an inspiration for. I think so. Two thousand one Shrek, and also like Shrek in general. I feel like is inspired by this movie in general yeah like, because shrek is a play on fairy tales yeah. absolutely so, yeah yeah i could totally see that, that shrek is like an even more kids version of this yes but yes um it's just not as overtly self-aware in the same vein though mm-hmm. definitely mm-hmm. absolutely absolutely um i want to go back a little bit you guys were talking about um like obviously Inigo had a lot of badass scenes in this movie oh yeah and we were talking specifically about his fight at the end with uh the six-fingered man mm-hmm. great Christopher Guest yeah very good yeah what's he from by the way I've heard that name let before. me look it up because I I also recognize the name um okay uh, as you're doing he's that he's from um this is Spinal Tap is one of his biggest things because oh. literally half oh, of his credits are on IMDB were from various talk shows but then when it said like the quote unquote character he was playing, it was the name of his character from This Is Final Tap, and I didn't know that because I haven't oh. seen that film. So it was like Christopher Guest, but he was on all of these talk shows under this different name, and I'm like, does did he change his name? I'm so fucking confused. Um, but I didn't really recognize him from anything else because I don't think I told uh, the audience yet. But the research for this film just ended up being me looking up every single thing that every actor was in, basically. Um, oh yeah, so, so I did look it up, and I can't wait to hear all that. that jumped out at me from Christopher Guest. <laughs> he he apparently is in A Few Good Men and <laughs> Night at the Museum. But Night at the Museum, the sequ- who is one he? Of the Night at the Museum, not the original. Yeah, Night at the Museum, Battle of the Smithsonian. Who is he? Uh, let me see if I can figure it out because I'm just on Google right now. Was it a credited role? Apparently, I don't no, know. No, he was a guest star. He was, he was a guest star. It's and apparently, like he is days. or was married to Jamie Lee Curtis. That makes sense because he was in the 
Freaky Friday reboot that she was in, her and Lindsay Lohan. He was? So. Oh, I forgot about that movie. Yeah. I never that forget movie about slaps. that movie. I love that movie. It's so good. <laughs> I love Dude, that movie. Dude, their song, that original song that they sang in that movie, absolutely slaps. Right? It's so good. It's so good. Like, when she, when, like, when they're, okay, Freaky Friday moment here, but, like, when they <laughs> are doing their performance at the end of the movie and they're, like, body swapped or whatever and Lindsay Lohan is on stage but, like, with the mom, the mom's soul, yeah, I guess, I don't know, stage, inside yeah. of her and she has to, like, pretend to play because she doesn't know how to play and then, like, the big guitar solo comes up and then, like, Jamie Lee Curtis, who's actually Lindsay Lohan, is, like, doing the guitar solo off stage. That's, like, that's, like, a Matrix, like, Neo <laughs> stopping the bullets moment of cinema. Like, that, that moment absolutely slaps. Like, we, we're gonna do Freaky Friday one day. That movie is Is dope. it similar to, like, the School of Rock finale? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's so, it's so hype. I absolutely love it. But, continue with uh, what you were saying. Um, what was I saying? <laughs> oh, yeah. I was just gonna say, so, like, Wesley has a really cool moment, too, at the end, where he's supposed to be, like limp yeah from from being revived from having his soul sucked out of the suction cup torture machine yeah um but then when the prince comes in and he's like laying on the bed and he's like you know what actually i don't even know why i'm laying here i think i can move and he gets up and the prince immediately yeah just like gives up yeah just from him standing up i love that that was cool it's so i think it's because he has kind of a long-winded speech leading up to it which i thought was just him stalling to gain more strength Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, I am a little confused as to why he immediately gave up, but I guess he's just a scary dude. <laughs> well, and the prince is a little, he's a little whiny idiot. That's yeah. True. He sucks. And he still thinks he's the pi- the dread pirate Robert. Yeah. Oh yeah, true. I mean, Which, he is. I mean, he is, but yeah. like, yeah. Also, but, like, Batman Begins totally stole their idea for Ra's al Ghul from this movie. Oh. The dread pirate Because, just being a like... Name? Yeah, because in Batman also, comics, like, obviously, then Raz- so did James Bond with 007. Like everyone does. But that. that's not confirmed. That's never been confirmed. That is a fan theory that I think partially exists because of the, the, this movie. Well, it's not really a fan theory anymore. That 007 is just the title. That's oh, well, 007, yeah. but not like, I mean, James Bond the name though. Oh, because oh, okay, yeah. then like cause I that meant was like how the James connected, Bond like, franchise the... stole that. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, but um. Because, yeah, Ra's al Ghul was always just literally immortal. Like, he just had a yeah. pit that he goes yeah. into that, like, keeps him young. But and then in those movies, Christopher Nolan was like, that's stupid. So how about instead we just do the Princess Bride thing where there's just always a Ra's al Ghul, which, like, wait, it's cool. But I, okay, I've always misunderstood then. I thought Liam Neeson was always Ra's al Ghul, but they just called the other guy Ra's al Ghul for protection. Yeah, so the movie doesn't actually say one way or the other. Like, you, you, just co- you could be right. Point. I just always assume the Princess Bride one because A, I saw the Princess Bride so much and B, I personally think that's cooler than just like, cause then the idea of him being immortal dies with him. Yeah, cause then it's like, okay, so Liam Neeson was the real Ra's al Ghul and like when he's, cause he even says like, oh, but is Ra's al Ghul immortal or his method supernatural? Like, so I always took it to mean like there will always be another Ra's al Ghul. Interesting. But also like they never actually say cause that movie just doesn't want to confirm which sure. is fine it's a great movie so no problem there but like yeah. okay so according to your theory then he wasn't Ra's al Ghul until the other one died yes interesting yes I think he was just like the vice Ra's al Ghul <laughs> whatever <laughs> that's how I saw and then it he too. became Ra's al Ghul yeah cool okay that's yeah cool. and then because then it, it really is truly like every generation has a Ra's al Ghul that yeah that makes more sense 
I've just never thought about it that yeah. way. Yeah, I think, I don't know. They don't say. And then, but then you would have to think about Dark Knight Rises. Like, how does that factor in with Talia al Ghul? Like, hmm. would she take up the mantle then if he died? Or would there still have to be? Because in comics, normally, like, Ra's al Ghul, like, uh, it's a, you know what? Let's not get into it. Right, we can talk about <laughs> yeah, this we've forever. talked about Batman about enough this, right? in this whole show. Oh my show. god, we talked about <laughs> so much Batman. I Like, two weeks ago, we talked about Batman. Last week, we talked about Batman. We cannot talk about Batman and again. Also, <laughs> We made a five-hour episode about oh, just the Dark Knight. I'm so sorry, guys. I re-listened guys. to our first episode, and we're talking it's about how, episode, like, because right? that episode's, like, not even an hour and a half long, and we're talking about how, yeah, we're aiming for every episode of this podcast be around an hour and a half. Like, if we ever get to three hours long, like, we need to end it. Like, that's insane. <laughs> oh, we did say that. That's right. And we, we really did get there within, like, A handful of episodes, yeah. So- <laughs> people like long form content though it's okay yeah it's okay and we're allowed to evolve i mean it's still I feature mean, you length can stop listening whenever you want yeah also like i like long form content so whatever if nothing else i'll go back and listen to everything hey the titanic is three hours and 15 minutes long so that's technically feature length um so that's the limit we need to stay yeah, under so is schindler's list oh well the irishman is like four hours long oh, so right. technically okay, technically we don't even have to <laughs> worry yeah. it's four hours long i think it's like three that's why hours. i never finished it jesus yeah. I mean, I, we talked about this yeah, on Goodfellas, yeah, but they yeah. should have just made the second half of that movie its own movie. The first half is yeah. completely superfluous, but whatever. Anyway, um, <laughs> Christopher Guest. I pulled up where what he was oh, in yeah. A Night at the Museum. Oh, yes. He played Ivan the Terrible. Oh. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, I see it now. Also, apparently John Barenthal plays Al Capone. Yep. What the fuck? In Night at the Museum? Young Al Capone. John Barenthal? <laughs> yeah, Night at the Museum 2. I have a statue of John Barenthal on my desk as we record this. Really? From what? You want to see? <laughs> like, a statue of John Barenthal. Like, just the Yeah, person. just the actor. What is that from? It's, it's the Punisher. The Punisher ah. from Daredevil. Okay. Oh, I just noticed he's holding Daredevil's he's, helmet. Yeah. Cool. Because it's from Daredevil season two, nice. which was the best. Or, well, not the best Daredevil, but the best Punisher. Yeah. <laughs> um... <laughs> yeah, so You're just talking about Christopher Guest. <laughs> Christopher Guest. Um, yeah, I you know we're talking about sort of the badassery. Like, uh, yeah, the ending is very badass with Wesley. I think Wesley is just in general very badass in this whole movie. Yeah, like he's also got. Speaking of Daredevil, he's got the Frank Miller Dare, Daredevil outfit kind of. Yeah, he kind of does. The black eh? and the yeah, black yeah, mask yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah, I love it. It's just you know it's it's nice. He's just the very classic like adventure hero, but it's. You know, it's cool to see. It's cool to see that he's not an asshole, except for the part where he almost backhands Robin Wright. But, but he yeah. does. Oh, speaking it. of Robin Wright, <laughs> but he doesn't. That's what matters. Yeah. Speaking of Robin Wright, this is their first movie. I know, which is crazy. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and but also like so talented. I, yeah, yeah, I also didn't realize that she has been in other things since. Um, so I was like, oh, okay. This yeah. is the only Literally, thing. it didn't oh, even because I bunch. I semi recently yeah. watched Forrest Gump for the first time. Um, so it also just didn't click to me that she was Jenny, and then I was doing my research, and I was like, oh, <laughs> shit, she really did become, like, famous, famous after this. Yeah, she was in House of Cards, she was in, uh, Blade Runner 2049. Yep, she's in, she's in all Wonder the Wonder Woman. Womans. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> all two Wonder Woman. <laughs> well, and, like, the Justice well, and, League, like, and, that whole, And the know, Justice League, universe. yeah, yeah, yeah. Anytime the Amazonians yeah. show up, yeah. yeah, she's there, yeah. Yeah, which is a cool choice, I think, for her to be an Amazonian. Like, relating back to this movie, because in this movie she's more of, like, princess damsel in distress, yeah. and then, like, so to get to have her be, like, an Amazonian warrior is kind of, like, a fun little career trajectory thing. 
Also, just cool. like this is yeah. kind of a weird nitpicky thing, but while we're on the topic of her, it's immediately made clear her name is Buttercup. But yeah, Princess Buttercup. For some yeah. reason, she's in all the credits just credited as quote unquote the Princess Bride, and I don't know why yeah. they don't call her Buttercup. I noticed that. Interesting. Well, because and also I, didn't I was reading and found out that in the book they specified that the prince could only marry a princess, so in order to marry her. He made her the princess of a fake town or just like an imaginary town. So that's when oh she became God. a princess in order to marry, be able to marry him. Um, but she nice. is not actually a princess in any way. And she is just Buttercup. Until we see her five years later. We, the book gets into the politics of it all. I know, right? We're missing a lot. Maybe we should read it. Feudalism. Feudalism. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know why she's not credited as Buttercup. Uh, I don't know. I mean, probably just because the movie's called The Princess Bride. So yeah. There's The Princess Bride. Yeah. I, that kind of feels like a studio note to me. I don't, like, not that this movie, this movie seems like an anti-studio note movie where they were like, we don't understand what you're doing, <laughs> so just go ahead and lose us money. That's fine. We're just going to stay out of this one. But, like, the I, I, I can 100% imagine some idiot watching this movie and be like, but who's the princess bride? Which one, who's the br- and they're like, oh my fucking god, are you kidding me right now? Yeah, that's fair. So yeah, who else would be the princess bride? <laughs> She's like the only female it's the character only woman in the whole movie, basically. But like, I don't. I, I mean, look, let me put it to you this way: someone thought that Joker scene in the Batman was a good idea. Oh so like, I don't trust. I don't. Trust we're done talking that, about man. that. I can't. <laughs> Okay, Carol, do you want to hit us up with some facts about various uh, performances these actors have gone on to do? Yeah, I do. I have a bunch. Okay, first of all, and my favorite, Rob Reiner played Jess's dad in New Girl. Yay! Because I know we've talked about many times the stuff he's, like, directed and whatnot, and so I was like, okay, I Mm -hmm. recognize him from that, but then I was on Wikipedia and I saw his picture, and I'm like... No, like, I recognize him, recognize him. And I had to figure out why. Yeah. And it's because of New Girl. So, mad respect. Um, he is so funny. I know. Like, he's such a funny comedic actor. And also in... Do you have any more Rob Reiner facts? Or That's the only I... one. I only noted down, selfishly, the ones I knew. Okay. <laughs> and <laughs> I also Reiner skipped also... any voice work, which is a lot of these guys' career oh, for, like, all of them. Acting. Right. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. Um... Rob Reiner also plays Leonardo, Leonardo DiCaprio's dad in The Wolf of Wall Street. Yes, yes, right. yes, yes. He is incredibly funny in that. And then he was also in, I think, All in the Family, right? Yeah. That was the, I think that's where he like kind of started. Yeah, he was just like a very young sitcom actor yeah. in that. Um, and then went on to do other things. He was also in Sleepless in Seattle. Oh, was he really? That's why I thought he directed it. He was just in it. Oh, I didn't even know. Who did he that. play in Sleepless in Seattle? I'm was pretty he sure he's, or something? No, he's one of Tom Hanks' friends, I think. Oh, let me... I'm like 99% sure. I, I also haven't more. seen that movie in a long time. Yeah, same. Let's check right now. I saw it a couple months Big ago, months but side. I also wasn't at the time thinking of Rob Reiner, um, so that doesn't help. <laughs> Victor Garber's in this movie. What the fuck? <laughs> Wait, am I wrong? No, uh, no, no yeah, he's Jay. Okay. He plays Jay. Good for him. <laughs> oh, my... Means, that means someone does something. Nice. Who else is in it? Apparently. God damn. Who? Wow, I need to rewatch this movie. Niles from Frasier. Uh, David Hyde Pierce. Ah. Yeah. Oh, this guy from Frasier? <laughs> <The, the, the laughs> and everybody loves Raymond. Yeah. 
Yeah, wow, it's, it's interesting because I realized that a lot of these people have been in Frasier and Seinfeld, just like for one-offs. Um, yeah. A lot of them. But like everyone was in Seinfeld at some point. Yeah. That's true. All, a bunch of them have done voice work for the same thing. Like half of the fun facts are about like, these people have loosely both been in like the DCEU and like they're trying to link them together. And like everyone's in the Marvel Cinematic Universe now. Like who isn't? Yeah. Yeah, it's true. Uh, like we've talked about, it's basically impossible to find a like, movie without an MCU connection. Like I'll be reading IMDb trivia facts sometimes and it's like, did you know this person and this person are both in the MCU? It's like, that's not even a surprise anymore. <laughs> I, I, like, that's just a movie now. Any yeah. movie has at least two characters who have both been in the MCU. Dude, even DC movies will have characters that were in the MCU. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, Jeffrey Wright was in the MCU, and um, Andy Serkis was in the MCU. Wait. Jeffrey Wright? Who is he, he does the voice of um, the Watcher on What If. Oh, oh, okay. Which is technically MCU. It's technically yeah, yeah, MCU. Yeah, a lot of, and Andy a lot of the fun facts are technicalities like that, too. Exactly. Uh, Carol, before you proceed, yeah. uh, may I just suggest that we absolutely have to get Dan to watch New Girl and do oh my God, yes. episode on the podcast. I still want to do a Schitt's Creek episode, it. so let him finish yeah, that too. first. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's only fair because you guys are eventually going to watch Lost. Yeah, yes, I can't wait. By the way, I can't wait. To <laughs> oh my god, I, I forgot I to wait. tell you, but on a podcast I was listening to, um, someone was going to talk about Lost, and they're like, "Spoiler alert for Lost," even though it's been twenty years. And I took my headphones off and just like <laughs> let them talk for like thirty seconds, and then put them back on because I didn't want it to be spoiled for me. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> So that's I'm still good. Although that's my most, I, a little bit might have been spoiled by the forty-year-old virgin, but I'm unsure. <laughs> no, not the forty-year-old virgin. This is forty. Because, because oh, um, okay. I haven't seen that. I haven't seen that either. Oh, you guys are missing out. Um, but I've heard it's John really Apatow's daughter yeah. plays the the child of Paul Rudd and Leslie Mann in that movie, and she's obsessed with Lost. That's like her whole plot okay. line. Oh, okay. There's a lot to unpack, so I wouldn't worry too much okay, about it. Cool, it's cool. probably like a fraction of a percent. Yeah, I know. Um, I, I don't think it was that much, but I'm, a, I'm still a little upset. Let me, <laughs> let me just say that's my most anticipated episode as of right now. Oh, damn. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm excited. I'm just then. excited to see what this is. Yeah. Um. Yeah, where was I? Okay, Mandy Patinkin. Yes. That name. For some reason, I was like, this man, I've probably seen him in hundreds of things. Mandy Patinkin, I've heard that name so many times. I didn't recognize anything. I mean, he was in Criminal Minds, but that's like kind of all I recognized him from. Um, and I was I haven't seen him in anything else. Like, he, right? was in, oh he was in Criminal Minds. I know he was also in that other really famous show. Um, I'm just trying to pull but that it up. We Homeland. Watched. Oh. Yeah, I've Homeland. never seen Homeland, yeah. but I know it's supposed to be amazing. But yeah, the only thing I have seen him in otherwise is Criminal Minds. Yeah. So. And then you know what I was surprised about? The the Carrie Elwes guy or whatever, however you say his name. Because Carrie he's Elwes, like yeah. so conventionally attractive and in this movie like so expressive, I was probably like... I think he's, like, been in hundreds of things. And he has, but I guess now that he's older, he just doesn't look like himself at all. Because I didn't notice that he was the mayor of the town in Stranger Things. Yes. What? Is he what? actually? Not from season one, though, I think. It was, like, starting yeah, yeah. in season two. But he's something. also... Wow. I don't remember that at in all. In Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, Marco. 
like <laughs> Carol, what the fuck? Episodes, Where? Like a lot of them. Who is he? Uh, I wrote down the name of the character, but I don't who remember is who it is. <laughs> Gavin Hawk. <laughs> I didn't remember who that character was off the top of my head, but Gavin it was like Hawk. several what the episodes fuck is this? of the show. I. Gavin Hawk, Marvelous Miss Maisel, yeah. And also I realized that the only reason I visually recognized Wallace Shawn is because he was also in Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Um, yes, I do yeah, remember Wallace. Yeah, so that, that was that one connection with me and him. Oh, <laughs> oh, this was like during the whole season three arc where she's managing um, Susie? The, the person from Glee. Yeah, Susie's managing the lady from Glee who's in a play with like real actors oh, or whatever. Oh, right? was that her fellow actor, the one she slept with? Yes, gotcha. yes, yes, yes. That makes sense. That makes sense. That makes sense. You know what? I I think I did. Yeah, yeah. I think I do remember. Yeah, but even now, looking at that, pictures but... of him, like, currently on IMDb, I was like, I would not have guessed that was the same person. Yeah. Yeah, he does look very different. But also, just another tangent, because we already discussed at the beginning of this episode, there's not much to talk about other than everything's great. So we can just talk about whatever. Um, but Dan... Sure. I'm sure we're going to get comments. We're going to get lots of angry comments being like, I came here for this serious movie? <laughs> criticism. And all that I heard was fucking Humpty Dumpty and Batman <laughs> and Carrie Elways being in Marvelous Mrs. Sorry. Um, I've never in my mind pictured like <laughs> like a crossover between information about Batman and Humpty Dumpty before. <laughs> Welcome to my life, man. That's how my brain works. Okay. Anyway, what were you saying? <laughs> yeah, so after we watched this film... Or I don't know if it was actually after. I just made that assumption. But Dan, you asked us if we'd seen Robin Hood Men in Tights. Oh yes. Um, which Carrie Elwes was also the the lead in. Um, Robin Hood himself. Yeah, and I haven't seen it, but I did. None of us have. Oh, okay, nice. We should watch it. I haven't it. even seen it. <laughs> um, because I was gonna say it was made by Mel Brooks. And Mel Brooks also made um, two movies that, as a kid, I was absolutely obsessed with. Um, Young Frankenstein and Dracula Dead and Loving It. Those movies, I I haven't seen them since I was a kid, so maybe they didn't age well and I hate them now. I don't know. I doubt it. I've been meaning to rewatch them, but I couldn't find them anywhere. Um, But as a kid, they made me cackle. So I feel like I would also like Robin Hood Men in Tights because it probably is similar, similarly humorous because it's all like spoofs on classic characters. Yeah, um, Wallace Shawn, since that's the last Princess Bride thing we were actually talking about, uh, is obviously, as we mentioned in Toy Story, he's Rex. And he's in Marriage Story. (laughs) And he's in Marriage Story. Another story. He's in a lot of stories. He's also in Young Sheldon. Yeah, I saw that. (laughs) Very random. Uh, I didn't hear it down. Yes, um, he plays like a crazy physicist. I haven't... I've, like, walked by the TV while it's on and been like, why is Wallace Shawn stooping this low? Hey, if he um, can get that bank, why not? That's what I, yeah, I mean, take the paycheck, Wallace. <laughs> walked by the TV while it's on. You know what I mean? Where yeah. I'm just, I'm walking by and I'm like, I'm not staying here <laughs> to see this. Um, he's also in Star Trek Deep Space Nine. Oh. He plays the Ferengi Grand Nagus, which <laughs> I, I'm not going to get into with you guys. <laughs> yeah, it, to people like me, Dan. Only to people like me. Um, anyway, yeah. So he, he's in that as well. Um, just in a lot of stuff, you know. Wallace Shawn, fantastic. Put him in everything. He's so good. He's very much a Jeff Goldblum, like... Yes. He, just, he is himself <laughs> in everything. Oh, I would love to see Wallace Shawn as Ian Malcolm in Jurassic Park. <laughs> just give me an alternate cut of that movie. Oh, my God. 
Yeah, so that was kind of like (laughs) it for people being in things. Did you guys watch Ella Enchanted? Yes, I've seen it. Carrie Ellis is also in that. I haven't watched it. As Mm, someone. That makes sense. But Is that the one with uh, Amy Adams? No. No, that's Enchanted. Oh. This is with Anne Hathaway. Ella Yes. And she has to do But they came out around the same time. I think Ella Enchanted is older. I think by like a few yeah. years, but it's like the same general early two thousands era. Yeah, yeah. Carol, they're making an Enchanted two. Did you know that? Have we talked about this? I, I think like you Enchanted and I specifically have talked Enchanted about this. Enchanted two. No, no, no. Okay. Enchanted two. <laughs> Amy Adams coming back. Yeah, Amy Adams and Patrick Dempsey are coming back. It's called Disenchanted. <laughs> There's a show called that. Or no, that's Disenchantment. Oh. Yeah, this is Disenchanted. Huh. And it's gonna so they're be gonna a be movie. old and disenchanted. <laughs> <laughs> I hope. I don't know. That movie's fun. Amy Adams has never been. I haven't seen star, it since it came so. out. Yeah. But I remember liking it, obviously, because it's like a musical and like silly. <laughs> Funny enough, I think it has, again, the same vibes of this almost as like poking fun at fairy tale. Like the fairy well, yeah, tale it genre. It takes place in like a New York, modern New yeah. York city. It's right? literally like this fairy tale character that shows up in the real world and is trying to like be a fairy tale character, and everyone's like, can you stop? Like, this is too much. <laughs> So, yeah. Oh, wait. Two more people who I have notes on what they were in. Billy Crystal, obviously, when Harry met Sally. Oh, oh, but also, course, he was course, Mike Wazowski in Monsters, Inc. Gotta love that. That's oh, the one oh, animated God, thing fantastic. I noted down, because I've seen it. Yeah, because, yeah. like, how could you yeah. not? I mean, um, it's so good. Yeah. And then Carol Kane, his, like, wife, um, who was... Ooh, I know what you're going to say. Yeah, she was in The Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. <laughs> yeah. Oh. But when I first saw that show i was like i've also i recognize her from something before this and i couldn't put my finger on what have you guys seen the movie the pacifier with vin diesel yes <laughs> no you never watched that movie no it's really good actually it's like funny um but she plays a character named helga in it and i think that's where i recognized her from and she was also in Contes- confessions of a teenage drama queen with Lindsay lohan so i think i probably recognized her from just like Lindsay little lohan bit theme. parts in all these movies i watched as a kid so when she was yeah. in kimmy schmidt i was like ah yes this lady she's really funny yeah they both have like like Billy Crystal and Carol Kane both just have very like recognizable voices where like you just you can't you can't yeah. miss them if they're well, in something. For sure. I thought at first it was going to be uh uh what's oh, what's her name? Who plays Jesse in Toy Story? Oh, um, uh Joan Cusack? Uh, yes. Yeah. It really sounded like her. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. But I knew when the credits came and I saw her name, I didn't recognize her from anything, but I knew like I figured because they got Billy Crystal for his role she would also be like some legendary yeah. yeah star that people know like just that they could put in a bunch of makeup and have like a little cameo yeah, for sure is. for sure it is it is kind of surprising yeah but yeah um we haven't really talked about that scene at all but i do love that whole scene the billy crystal scene it's so yeah. good yeah. it's so funny <laughs> and it so leans into the fantasy trope and I, like one of the notes i wrote down was when he's like, oh, you're lucky, like, he's only mostly dead. He's like, if he's dead, I can't do anything, but he's mostly dead. That means he's a little bit alive. And that reminded me so much. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I'm like, in the 90s when they did, like, the Death of Superman comic. Uh, but then, like, that comic ends with it being like, no, he wasn't dead. He was just in a healing coma. Mm. And I, and then he just came back to life. And, like, when he was saying, like, yeah, he's only mostly dead, I was like, oh, my fuck. Like, this is just that. But it's obviously, like, played for humorous effect here and not meant to be yeah serious piece of fiction so it's okay 
Well, speaking again of Shrek, it also reminded me of the Merlin scene in Shrek. Yes, <laughs> yes. but better because yes. we hate Shrek. But better, yeah. Sucks. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> but oh, not as bad God. as the next Shrek movie. Yeah. God, what was that movie? Remember when the lighting was all weird, but it's animated, so they have full control of it? Yeah, and oh, it, was it was like a purposeful choice. Yeah, because it was supposed to be like real or something, like serious. Yeah. It's supposed to be Christopher Nolan Shrek. Yeah, fuck. Yeah, because there's the time travel and like it was. Oh my god, what a stupid movie! I can't believe. Like, I never want to watch that no, movie again. I, don't I think blocked I could. it out of my mind. Yeah, no, I genuinely couldn't. No, it's it so makes bad. Me I do, I don't even think I fully paid attention when I watched it for this. It, like my brain wouldn't let me. Well, you remember, sorry, I know we already had a Shrek episode, but remember in that episode, like... <laughs> Shrek part two. Like, yeah. 40% of that episode was on Shrek one, the next 40 was Shrek two, and then like 15% was Shrek three, 5% yeah. of the discussion was Shrek We literally one. just did Shrek's not out. want to talk about it. <laughs> okay, but I do have some more... Uh, what else about... Sorry, what were you going to say, Dan? Oh, okay. No, I was just going to say what else about this movie yeah i have more fun facts that isn't just what were these people in like i have there were actual facts about this film obviously it's iconic go for it um so the reason this movie was made is because rob reiner was given this book by his dad carl reiner who is like an iconic uh stand-up comedian um fun (laughs) fact he was featured on comedians in cars getting coffee with jerry seinfeld (laughs) And that's uh, where I know him from because his stand-up comedy was a little bit uh, before our time. And unfortunately, he died yeah. in June 2020. Um, but also in... Wait, do you watch Comedians in Cars Getting Coffee? Yeah. Isn't it good? Yeah, I watched all the episodes. I actually it really enjoy it's it. Very oh, you watch it too? Yeah. yeah. Nice. Um, but in June 2020, they also did, like, early pandemic, you know, all the celebrities were, like, doing like reads of screenplays for stuff they'd been in etc cetera, etc cetera. um they did uh the home movie of the princess bride that was released on quibi i don't know if you guys remember oh sp- no i do remember quibi um no. yeah so quibi r.i.p quibi um <laughs> moment of silence no, not um <laughs> but yeah so they made this version where everyone was reading the script for the princess bride but it was like a bunch of celebrities who like each read like one sentence at a time hmm. like every role is split between so many people like listen to this cast so the grandson was played by okay no that's not a good one to read because not all the names are are <laughs> famous but the grandfather was played by rob reiner jk simmons sarah silverman adam sandler and carl reiner Actually, that was the last thing Carl Reiner was in before he died, because he died a few days after it was filmed. Oh, damn. Yeah, he was, like, really, really old. Um, yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and so, like, Wesley was played by Chris Pine, Common, Sam Rockwell, Neil Patrick Harris, Sophie Turner, David Spade, John Hamm, Caitlin Denver, Brandon Ruth. I don't know who that is. Um, Superman. Oh, really? <laughs> 2006 oh. Superman. Yeah, like not not okay. Henry Cavill Superman. Um, but, but yeah, yeah, Courtney Ford, Tommy Dewey, Taika Waititi, Christopher Mintz-Platz, uh, Jack Black, <laughs> Lucas Hedges, Paul Rudd, and Carrie Elwes. Um, but that was just in reused footage from the film. Like, yeah, it was, it was so bizarre. I remember seeing, like, a trailer for it because it... And mm. it was just, like, them filming it, like, on tablets, like, in their backyards. Like, it was so random. 
and so low yeah. budget. It was like when people were all singing like Imagine together. It was in that. I was just time. gonna say, do you remember? Yeah. <laughs> you remember that era of the pandemic when everyone was like, "Let me just film something from home." Yeah. Like, oh, so it's kind of made like that. Um, but it's wild. I kind of wish I could watch it now that Quibi doesn't exist. I'm sure it still must be somewhere because I would just be intrigued yeah, to see how it is with all of these people reading a line or two, because it is like crazy, crazy people were involved. Seth Rogen was Miracle Max. You know, I love Seth Rogen. Um, That's fine. Yeah, so I won't read the whole thing, but it was wild. And then they also, separately in September 2020, did a virtual live read-through of the script to raise money for the Democratic Party of Wisconsin to get, um, obviously, Trump heads out of office back at that time. Um, And Finn Wolfhard played the grandson. Most of the rest of the cast was the same. Um, But... Yeah. Cool. That was what um, That reminds me of, I don't know if you guys remember, like, I think it was the early 2010s on YouTube when they made that, like, fan-made RoboCop movie. Do, do you guys remember Not this at all? all? But basically, no. anyone anyone on YouTube that was a had a decent-sized channel that did anything, like, movie or pop culture or gaming-related, they made everyone make one, recreate one scene from RoboCop. And then they edited it all together. Huh. And so it's this feature-length version of Robocop where every scene is just a different YouTube channel recreating a scene from the movie. It's so funny that we're talking about this on this episode because w- my final project for one of my classes in university mm-hmm. was the whole class had to recreate a 20-minute stretch of film Um like in their own way like you could animate it you could act it out oh, you could sweet. do a diorama or something yeah. and the movie we chose was the princess bride really oh, that's so, funny so i i did like a comic version like yeah. we were given like um two or three seconds each and we had like 10 of those yeah so there were like 10 instances of two or three seconds that we had to animate or act whatever nice so i did yeah 10 like comic version or almost like um uh animatics yeah because i would we paired them with the audio we just had oh, to that's the visuals sick. that's sick uh yeah so what a coincidence what a coincidence that all this is coming yeah on this one episode Full circle it all ties together um but yeah also it took a really long time to make this movie it was like stuck it in just limbo for like 20 years um and goldman's first choice Damn. um to play, was it Fezzik? Was that what who Andre the Giant was, or was it the other one? Their name? Yeah. yeah. So the top choice to play Fezzik was Andre the Giant, but when they yeah. initially wanted to make the film, they're like, mm, he's too busy wrestling. Like, absolutely not. Like, he's getting five million dollars to do this one fight in Tokyo. Like, he's now never gonna give that up. And so then the second choice was Arnold Schwarzenegger, but then the film didn't end up being made at that time. <laughs> And so then by the time it did get made, Arnold Schwarzenegger was too expensive, and there was absolutely no way they could get him involved. And um, Andre the Giant's schedule opened up, so it worked out. Thank God. I can't imagine Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> Me either. Oh, it would be so bad. It would be so bad. Well, because, like, even then- thinking about it, the script as it is didn't have a lot of words. So, like, I guess you don't need to be a talented actor to be in that role anyway. No, but, like, I feel like you have to have that, like, gentle giant personality. Like, just be very likable. And, like, he's not. Like, he is such a dude, bro. 
like even outside of being the terminator like he's just such a dude bro and such an ass like but do you think if he was in this movie they would have realized he's a bad actor and not cast him in batman and robin yeah but then, i don't think it would have made that a better movie <laughs> <laughs> i think that movie would have been bad regardless true I'd rather have this movie at least be good than make that one substantial, like a, a little, little bit, bit less. better. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Fair. I have. I know there's also another fact that I have, but I forget the name of the person who it's about. Um, so we're gonna play a little game. Uh, who is the actor from? <laughs> Are you laughing, Markle? Who is the actor from? I think Taken. Who like wanted to kill black people at some point? Liam Neeson. Yeah, he auditioned to play Fezzik, but um, he was essentially really? laughed out of the room because they were like, "You're too short, bro. Like, what are you doing here?" <laughs> yeah, yeah, I couldn't see him as that. That's weird that he auditioned for that. Yeah, um, but I just thought it was funny. Um, and Uma Thurman, Meg Ryan, and Courtney Cox and Whoopi Goldberg all auditioned for the role of Buttercup. Whoopi Goldberg really wanted it. Oh. But it just didn't work out. I'm, gr- I'm glad Robin Wright got yeah. it. She's really good. Yeah. First time actress. Definitely. Yeah. And she, you know, she's had an awesome career, so. But I'm kind of good. surprised that, I mean, I guess because they wanted her to be British, but I'm surprised that like Uma Thurman or Meg Ryan couldn't, you know. True. Didn't do well enough in the audition or it just didn't work out. Um, yeah. Yeah. Also, but funny enough, they all like two years later, Meg Ryan has when harry met sally yeah. and then yeah. a few years after that uma thurman has pulp fiction so like They're it fine. really does yeah. end up working out for all of them they all and go batman on to do robin. like oh my god batman and robin how is there so many and then when you were talking about liam neeson that ties to batman begins yeah. why is there so much goddamn batman content in this episode well isn't arnold schwarzenegger also in batman you didn't even mention that yeah batman yeah. and robin i can't i can't well I, no that's why that's what we were talking about with him and Batman and Robin. That's yeah, because if he didn't, if he did this, he might have not done that, and then that movie wouldn't have been as bad. But it, it probably still would, have been still would have been bad. So it's like fair. What if him and Uma Thurman did this, and both of them? Still and then the both story, of, the story still, sucks ass. Still, George Clooney still would have been Batman. So it really and Chris the, O'Donnell would have been Batnips. Like yeah, a sixty-year-old Robin. Like oh my god. Wait, what? I mean, he's just like he's like a thirty-year-old man, and oh. he's like, "I'm Robin," and I'm like, "Dude, go buy a house! Like, why are you living with Bruce Wayne? Like, fucking weirdo!" Oh yeah, like why was he adopted? Yeah, like I don't understand. He's like twenty-five years old, and he's like, "My parents died," and Bruce is like, "I will adopt you." Like, dude, you're an adult. Get a job. Like, go find an apartment. I don't know. It's weird. I have more facts. One quick yes. note. No, do your Sorry. note first. I just want to say we were talking about accents. And I like how Wallace Shawn is, like, the only person in this movie who's not even bothered. Like, he's just doing his Wallace Shawn voice. Yeah, he has to. I mean, he's to. also I mean, he's supposed funny. to be Sicilian, so I think they're like, whatever. <laughs> just <laughs> yes. be you. He is supposed... <laughs> that is true. I Like, it's funny you say that, because I did write that line down, and we'll get to it later when I go through my random yeah. lines I wrote down. But, like, he's not... Like, he is literally just Wallace Shawn. <laughs> yeah. Like, Yeah. Okay, also, Andre the Giant's hand was so big that whenever Robin Wright was cold, he just put his hand on her head and it covered her whole head and kept her warm. I feel like having Andre the Giant on this film led to a lot of fun, like, shenanigans. Um, cause he, I would think so. He also needed to be ATV'd around to all the shooting locations, and for some reason he always really wanted to get Carrie Elwes to drive it. And one day he agreed, and when he was driving it, he hit a patch of rocks as he was shifting gears, so then his foot got stuck between, like, a rock 
and the pedal and he broke his toe and they tried to hide it from Rob Reiner but eventually like obviously they noticed he was limping um and you can notice it like right before they um somersault down the mountain because he doesn't put weight on his one foot uh, and then you know a stunt person jumps in obviously um but i just thought that was why did he have to be atv during the set uh, he just got back surgery, like, right before this, so his back hurt oh. a lot. And, oh, like, that's he, right. That's he couldn't right. even carry anyone. Like, in the scene where um, Carrie Ellis, Elwes, whatever, is on his back, he's actually, like, stepping on a step stool the whole time, so he's not actually hanging off oh. of him. And when he, like, catches the princess at the end, she's actually, like, held up by, uh, she's suspended by strings and shit. Um, that's funny. I do remember... Now that you bring that up in reading that thing yeah. William Goldman wrote, that he was talking about, like, the irony of that, of getting this, like, big, yeah. strong wrestler, but, like, he actually couldn't do a lot of physical stuff because of, like, the condition his body was in yeah. or whatever, so. Interesting. Yeah. Must be tough to be be so giant. Because he died pretty early, too, which, like, sucks. He was, like, in his yeah. early Dead. 40s. Yeah. 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 I think, like, just literally, like, being that size takes a huge toll on the body, and so it, like genuinely makes it significantly harder yeah well because it just like, like is takes more energy to exactly. be alive and it already takes yeah, like for so your heart. much let me yeah. tell you yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i have not stopped yawning during this whole episode oh my god what is this episode this episode is so derailed i feel so bad for anyone listening to this yeah i think that's all of my fun facts or like at least the fun ones other facts but they're not as fun so i'm gonna skip them all right i'm gonna pull up my miscellaneous notes and uh if you guys have any miscellaneous notes i mean you know um, i always do oh okay um when anigo is talking to carrie always the first time and he like gives the whole spiel about like his father and his like origin story and what he wants to do and then um he's like well why are you working with this other guy and he's like oh because there's not a lot of money in revenge like this just pays yeah. the bills it's as if it's like a day job like this is just my day job i just thought that was very again that's a very adult thing that like <laughs> you would never notice as a kid but as an adult it, it's very funny um yeah and then i just wrote down basically the entire scene of the battle of wits because that is like maybe like some of my favorite dialogue ever so um I like when he's like, you ever hear of Plato, Aristotle, Socrates? And he's like, yeah. And he goes, morons. That's <laughs> just like, that is like the most confident a person that you could ever be. One that my sister and I quote all the time is when Carrie always is like, so have you made your decision yet? And then he goes, not remotely. <laughs> my sister and I say not remotely, like so much. And it bothers everyone in the house because no one gets it. They're all like, why are you saying that? At one point, Carrie Carrie Elway says, truly, you have a dizzying intellect, (laughs) which is such a dick thing to say. Um, And then I think my favorite, and this is another quotable one from my sister and I, which is that you've fallen victim to one of the classic blunders. Never mess with a Sicilian when death is on the line. (laughs) Just, I, I just, you've fallen victim to one of the classic blunders has the same energy to me as like, like I've solved over two hundred mysteries. Like just this, like like this, just this. I don't know, just the arrogance of it, like the stupidity. Like nobody talks like that. Like you've fallen victim to one of the classic blunders. Like who who would say that? I love it. I love it so much. Um, You've been referencing yeah, the mysteries the, a lot lately. <laughs> yeah, it came up earlier today too in private because well, hey, when people want to act like children, 
I mean, They're that is a roosters. very childish thing to say. Yeah. Um, and then I just wrote down Billy fucking Crystal. And, <laughs> and the line I wrote was, beat it all, or I'll call the Brute Squad. I'm all the Brute Squad. You are the Brute Squad. I just thought that was a very fun exchange between the two of them. I'm surprised you didn't write. <laughs> One of writing. my favorite parts of that Battle of Wits scene is when they're saying, yeah, it's Iacane. Iacane comes from Australia, and Australia is full of criminals. Like, that's part of his logic. Yes. So fucking funny. <laughs> Dude, I, if I started writing down his logic, <laughs> I would have had to write everything. Because he's like, at one point he's like, you've beaten my Spaniard, so clearly you studied, which means you would know man is mortal, so you would put the poison as far away from you as possible. And I was like, what the fuck is this guy talking about? Like, he's so... This is like Sherlock-level deduction. That's the thing! Like, going back to that is that this is Sherlock deduction, but like, if done stupidly, which I, is great. It's, it always gets a laugh out of me. I also like um, when the man in black uh, beats up Andre the Giant, and when he's, like, passed out, he's like, okay, like, dream of large women. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's a good line, yeah. I also have a note um, from, like, the very, very beginning when we're first introduced to, like, the princess and the, the stable boy or whatever they call him. Um, and they fall in love just by saying, as you wish, and looking at each other. And I said, this is the definition of pretty privilege. They don't have to have one conversation, yeah. <laughs> and they're madly in love true. and have a soulmate for life. Um. Yeah, that intro was so <laughs> horny. Yeah, it is It is very yeah. horny. Yeah, you're right. Um, oh, and also, I just have another silly note that says, oh, the killing machine is powered by water. We love green energy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that killing machine is also hilarious. So I don't understand how that worked. Oh, I mean, it's a, life, it, Dan. I, what do you mean? His explanation is... You know, like, suction suction mechanisms? Well, this sucks your life. Like, that is literally his oh, explanation. Oh, so it's just like it. a parody. It's a supernatural. Yeah, yeah it's okay. just a parody of, like, I wasn't yeah. sure if he was, like, literally, if he literally meant that, or if it was some sort of, like, torture that, like, figuratively. No, I, I, think, it literally no, I think it years. literally yeah. is supposed to be sucking his life <laughs> okay. soul. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, and then I have, like... I do, like... <laughs> no, sorry, you go, Dad. I'm gonna... I was just gonna say, I like when the prince is, like, frustrated. He comes in and flings the thing up to like the maximum capacity <laughs> yeah, to 50 years and, yeah and even even the executioner is like no don't go that <laughs> <high."> <laughs> well because he sets it up earlier he's like yeah i've never really gone before like beyond five years myself let's <laughs> up to 50 and he's like no i also like that oh, the also, whole premise I... is that he's like writing a paper on this like a scientific article yes <laughs> <laughs> yeah he's like yeah i'm uh, taking notes on this no i love the um i don't know what you call him i guess the the assistant like the lab assistant guy oh, who comes albino. in and he's like yeah the albino and he's like the pet of the spat and then he just coughs and he's like yeah this is like, pretty <laughs> fucked up hilarious what oh, a great joke priest. yeah oh my god the priest oh Man, you want to talk about like a <laughs> pop culture yeah, yeah that, that is, like, is what i, I was gonna mention next before i remembered that was in this movie yeah 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 exactly so exactly exactly it's so funny <laughs> Okay, and then I just had one question because I was looking through my notes and I see that um, at one point it was when they picked uh, picked up the the man in black after he was paralyzed and like they were helping him come back to life. He's like, oh, if only we had a Holocaust cloak. What is a Holocaust cloak? Yeah. And then Andre the Giant ended up like, wearing it and they set it on fire. But I still don't, like it was just a cloak, no? <laughs> it looked like it, yeah. Okay. Just wondering if you guys knew cloak. that was it. <laughs> I have no idea. That might. That, I don't know. That must have been some like older vernacular yeah, yeah, or yeah. something. Because I don't know what it means. Yeah, me neither. 
Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Great. We've come to zero conclusions. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, guys, for this really enlightening fantastic. conversation. I think we have another uh, yeah, great fantastic. episode of the podcast. <laughs> I will just say, I will just say, to actually, like, talk about the movie a little bit, because we've barely done that this episode. Um, Like, I was joking earlier about the Freaky Friday scene that's equivalent to The Matrix. <laughs> like... In terms of, like, that type of movie moment, though, I do think the final fight with Enigo and the Six-Fingered Man yeah. is, like, that level of hype yeah. for me. When he's, like, like all hope is lost, and he's, like, just bleeding out, and then it's just, like, fuck it. And he keeps, like, saying the thing to himself to, like, give him the thing to... Give him the energy to push through. And then ends up winning the fight, and it's just a nice little exchange of dialogue where he's, like, offer me gold, offer me anything I want, anything you want, and more. Well, I want my father back, you son of a bitch. And then kills him great fantastic and what a do, great moment. He, i wish that he took the thing i was gonna Sorry. say he hurts him in the exact same way that yes he hurt him all the he's and him's you know what i mean they did the same oh, thing the to face. each other um, yeah they do the scar on the face yeah, yeah. but even all the other stabbings apparently wish... were like one for ones like oh, in the yeah, shoulder yeah, yeah. and all that stuff yeah cool i wish though he took the knife that he was stabbed with and stabbed him with that oh that would have been cool instead of just throwing it away yeah that would have been fantastic but yeah, I like that he gets stabbed and he just he says fuck it and gets up anyway and then It's great. It's a nice little superhero type <laughs> moment. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, that that one actually gives me like Matrix vibes of just like coming back at the end and, and doing the thing to win and it's very badass. Yeah. That's probably that's my second favorite scene, and my favorite scene in this movie is the sword fight on the yeah. cliff. Yes, yes. Um I like that they're so polite with each other. Me too. And they're just like having a conversation. Him yeah. and Wesley before they even start fighting. They genuinely have respect for each other. Yeah, and even when he when Wesley defeats him, he's like, I w- like I'd sooner destroy a stained glass window before killing you. I have so yeah. much respect for you. <laughs> it's so cool. And I love when they're fighting and then he's like, Oh, like you're pretty good, and I would be worried except for the fact that I'm not left handed. <laughs> and then the same thing. <laughs> and then the Wesley. same thing. I love it. It's so much fun. It's and so fun. And they both yeah. learned how to sword fight right and left handed so they could do the whole scene. That's cool. Yeah. I mean, you mean in yeah, real yeah, life, yeah. like the actors? That fact was repeated in the IMDb trivia like ten times, just with slightly different wording. <laughs> so in case we you doubted you it, they learned yeah, it all yeah, themselves. Like, the stunt doubles were only used when they had to somersaults, but everything else was nice. them. Nice. But yeah, that scene was just so good, like the fencing choreography. And the conversation at the beginning where that's where we learn about uh, his father mm-hmm. and um, and his sword is really badass too. yeah sister obviously yeah oh I love it I just love his whole character it's so good and then even like the little ending piece where he's like I thought about revenge my whole life and like now that I got it I have no idea what I want to do and that's when we get every, again <laughs> everything comes full circle Wesley's like I mean I don't want to be the Dread Pirate Robert so like well I like that line too it's funny where he's like have you ever considered piracy <laughs> yeah <laughs> you literally have you considered piracy as how is that like, not a meme I, I, you mean like with like pirating things? Yes. Yeah, you're right. We should start that. We should start that meme. Is that going to be our claim to fame, guys? Yes. Yes. <laughs> FLP copyright. We're copywriting a scene from a movie that already exists and is in copyright. But yeah. Also, there's copyright means nothing for memes. So. No, no, oh, of no, course no. not. Yeah. Which is also like okay, this is the last tangent of the episode, but it it pertains to that. And then we can just end the episode. Which is to say this. In the show Pam and Tommy, that's currently on Disney Plus in Canada. With the talking penis? The plot of the, 
Yes. Yes. <laughs> the plot of that show, obviously, is about the leak of Pam Anderson and Tommy Lee's uh, sex tape. And how that happened, if you guys aren't aware, because it's kind of fascinating, is that Seth Rogen's character in that is a carpenter who basically Tommy Lee fucked over, so he broke into his house and stole their private sex tape. Okay? Okay. And up until this point, like, celebrity sex tapes weren't a thing because the internet wasn't a thing, yeah. really. So um, he had to, he went to try to sell it to, like, actual, like, porno film companies. And they were all like, no, because that's illegal. You stole it and we can't do that. So Seth Rogen gets the bright idea to just start, like, mass producing it and then selling it over the internet, which works, except, and this was my immediate thought, and I turned to Maddie and I was like, anyone could just make a copy of this tape and that's literally what happened which is that he started making money and then everyone just started bootlegging it and everyone was just buying bootlegs and then he never made a cent off it and yeah I, the show's not done yet so i don't know what happens to him but like i mean he's broke at this point in the show so anyway yes there's no money in copywriting things that can be uh sent around for free on the internet oh that stemmed from what we were saying with the <laughs> yeah, <meme>. yeah yeah <laughs> yeah also like nfts I don't. I, I don't understand NFTs. Don't even get I, me how do you? How I, do you? I don't want to. No, understand. they just the idea of them makes me like really mad. Me too. I've talked to so many people about this, and nobody. Everyone is just like, I don't know. I can't think about it. It just. Well, but you know me. what's like fucked? You know how like those monkey ones are kind of the most popular ones, whatever the fuck it is. <laughs> yes. Apparently, yes. the first one ever, a guy sold to his friend for like eight million dollars or something ludicrous. But he gave his friend $8 million to buy it off of him for $8 million. So essentially, no one really ever bought it. And the value behind NFTs is all fake. <laughs> wow. Why, why would he? Do, why did he do to, that? Because now you to sell look, one for $8 like million. And now all of the subsequent ones are assumed to be That's worth the same fraud. amount of money. So and so it's all fake, so just like money is, and ah. <laughs> the entire market is just yes. built on a lie. The entire Absolutely. NFT yes. market is just built on a lie. Just and like it's gonna collapse and capitalism, gonna <laughs> but we're yeah. not gonna get into that today. <laughs> Unless you want to talk to me for another three hours. But yeah. I would be fitting for this episode because we have talked about the movie. We've we've talked about <laughs> almost anything except the movie in this episode. I feel so bad for Princess Bride fans. Listen, if you are a fan of the Princess Bride, just know I am also a big fan. Yeah, we but like, what do you talk fan. about? Like, yeah, this scene is and great. That's the thing. That scene is great. Everyone's performance is exactly. great. Exactly. They definitely Listen, learned how you... to do that sword fight. IMDb told me twenty times. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, like if you stumbled upon this, just know that generally we try to. If like, you made it this far without getting mad at us, <laughs> but like sometimes it's just hard. Sometimes like when a movie's this just like objectively great and we all love it, like it's what just, do you even say? Like it's always funny when like we have full control over what we choose to. That's do the thing. Sometimes. We yeah, fully could have just paired this with something, but <laughs> but at the same time, it's I, just funny to me when when we reach that point in the episode where like. But what do we even talk about? Well, because now yeah, what are we like, going to do? Keep a half of an episode, watch another movie, record again? That's just silly. Well, I think I think we talked about the movie for the majority. Yeah, I think we did a decent enough job. I'm just fucking... It's just because the tangents yeah, yeah. we had were so tangenty <laughs> that, like... No, but also, like, it is that thing, too, of... 
I feel like it's way easier for us to stay on topic when we're shitting on something, but I don't want to be negative every episode and just shit on something. Like, I don't think there are episodes we've stayed more on topic for than, like, Mother and the Zack Snyder movies. I was going to say, we don't fully shit on things often, though. No, it's pretty rare. And that's, like, I think a good thing, because I'd rather not be an angry internet person that (laughs) always shits on things. But... Yeah, I well, think... I mean, the Dark Knight episode was five hours of us praising, <laughs> mostly praising those movies. But also, like, the first hour, we didn't even... I was just me being, like, so Batman. Yeah. Like, we didn't even start that talking was, about the movies. It was topical. Like, it, it was. was it was, at least it was on point. Yeah, it was on brand. Yeah. Also, okay, take away one hour. It's four hours. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. That is true. Very true. <laughs> oh, good times. I can't fucking believe we... It was a five-hour combined episode. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. I, we should have expected impressive. it to be longer. I mean, I think the thing that gave me false confidence that w- it would be shorter was that the Sam Raimi Spider-Man one was only, like, two and a yeah, half. Well, there's a lot more to talk about in the Batman one. Oh, obviously, like, yeah. But those ones are so iconic, I was kind of like, eh. Like, it'll probably be about the same. But no, not times even close. Two. Not even close. It was literally times two. Now we know. So. And now even in that one, in the Sam Raimi one, that was similar where, like, the first half an hour or so was just Spider-Man lore. Yeah, yeah, yeah very much so. Okay. Is that it? Does it have anything else to say? Uh, I mean, if you haven't seen this movie and you've listened to all this for some reason, like, I would still yes, watch this movie. Yeah. It's a great movie. And also, like, if you have, I would still recommend picking up that book by William Goldman, um that has his screenplays with like his own writings about his screenplays in it because there is lots of fun like context for this in there that i think will make the movie even more enjoyable as an adult have you read the book the original book i haven't read the original novel though one of our classes did in high school one of our english classes really? writer's craft no it wasn't writer's craft like it was um we can bleep out this name carol you can bleep out this name have fun but uh, i it was one of english mm. classes I think in grade 11, might have been grade 12. No, must have been grade 12, because I feel like her and I, she started hanging out with me in grade 12. That was kind of random. <laughs> so I think, well, I think it's because you guys yeah, were yeah. friends, and then we were friends. So then she was like, oh, like Marco. And then sometimes we would hang out. So yeah, I remember one time doing homework, and she was like reading Princess Pride, and she was like, this book's dumb. And I was like, okay. <laughs> I, you, know what, you know, sometimes when you like, there's a person, you just know... <laughs> I'm like, what am I going to say to you to convince you that this is good? Like, I can't argue with you. Like, I, I know that no matter what I say, you're going to have this opinion. So, yeah, sure. Yeah, don't waste your energy. Go ahead. I'm not. I don't care. <laughs> I'm glad I didn't waste this my just, energy. Also, this just adds to the discrepancies between our English classes because I never read Same. this book in English. I did. It was literally just her class, but I don't know what <laughs> what teacher she had. Oh, it wasn't even your class. No, it wasn't even my class. Oh. Yeah, it was just her hmm. class. Yeah, weird. I definitely had English with her in either the 11th or 12th grade. So it couldn't have been the class I was in. Text her. Mm. You and I were in English together in grade 11, so it couldn't have been that okay. one because we didn't read it then. I really did think I was with her in the 12th grading, but whatever. I don't know. I mean, I can text her right now and ask. I, we haven't talked in like Can you imagine? <laughs> I mean, I would. I have no shame. I don't care. I just like to imagine because she's engaged, right? So I just like to imagine like her and her fiance are like out on a date, and she gets a text from a guy, and it's just, "Hey, what English class did you read the Princess Bride in in high school?" Oh my god, oh, that's funny. That'd be so good. That'd be so good, dude. 
I need a response in like five minutes because it's for the podcast. It's for yeah. <laughs> this is very pertinent information. <laughs> Holy shit! We're at an hour and fifty minutes. How did that happen? Yeah, but like half hour of that is gonna get cut. So gonna... I don't know. I might work some magic and keep it all in. We'll see. We'll see how I feel when I'm editing. The even part... even the ghost, even the fake ghost yeah, that's in the my only basement. Part that we have to cut. I think. I don't know. We'll see if we can do. It. If you can make I it funny. I think yeah. a ghost hunt is entertaining. Especially if it's audio <laughs> <Okay>. only. <laughs> yeah, true, true. Well, we didn't see anything. We only heard something. That's so. true. Ooh, spooky. Thanks again for listening to the feature-length podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, it would mean a lot to us if you liked this video or audio. Give us a rating and review if the platform you're listening to us on allows that. If you want to stay up to date with the latest episodes of the podcast, you can subscribe to our YouTube channel. Make sure you hit the bell to be notified when we post a new video or follow the podcast on Spotify. If you want to connect with us directly, you can follow us on Instagram at FeatureLengthPodcast, or even send us an email at FeatureLengthPodcast at gmail.com. Catch you on the flip side.